Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. We're here um, in the Book of Acts. We've been in a series following the Book of Acts and looking at the early church, looking at what happened in the beginnings of the church. And we're at the space of um, chapter eight right now. Lots happening. (laughs) We're at the place of chapter eight right now. But before I start looking at the text, I I just want to share with you something that happened with me, happened to me a few weeks ago. I was in town um, doing the work that I do with street pastors, and it was on the 22nd of May when so many people were gathered to commemorate and have a memorial service um, at the um, town hall about what happened a year ago when there was the tragic bombing And um, as street pastors, we're there to care for people, we're there to listen, we're there to help. Usually we go out at the night, but because so many people were in town, we we said we would go to just support. And there were so many people in town, and I was just trying to keep my head down, trying to keep walking and find the team. So I'm walking past the town hall, there's loads of security, loads of people, and I just hear this, hey! So I'm just like... Okay, it's not me, just keep walking, it's not you, you don't know anybody in the town hall, and it's not you, you've not done anything wrong. And then I heard, hey, again, so I'm like, okay, I right, just look around, I looked, I saw somebody, didn't recognise it, so I'm looking around thinking, who could this be, because I know it's not me, I don't know anybody who works in the town hall, and this is not me, looked around, looked left, it can't be me, so I look up again, and the person who said, hey, is pointing, going, yeah, you, I'm thinking, oh, crumbs, what have I done? <laughs> so I'm walking forward now. I'm thinking, what am I going to say? What, I don't know anybody in the town hall. There's somebody in security. This doesn't look good on this day. But then as I got closer, the face starts to look a bit familiar. And I'm thinking, I think I know that face, but I'm not really sure. And I don't know anybody who works at the town hall. And I don't know anybody in security. But I think it might be somebody that I know. And then as I get close, I'm like, oh, right. It's you. And it's this guy that I knew from years ago, years and years ago, from when I used to go to a church in Moss Side, and we used to do a lot of outreach and mission. And I used to talk to him in the park, reason with him about life, about faith. And he's like, oh, nice to see you. And I'm just thinking, what are you doing here? And he's like, yeah, I've got a job now. And he looked so different. I didn't even recognize him. He's, he's, He's shaven. He's got this uniform on. I'm like, Right, I, did, I would not have put you here. I mean, it's fine for you to be here, it's no problem. But I'm just like, you are not the person that I thought would be here. And, you know, I hugged him. He's like, oh, really good to see you. You know, is that, are you still a Christian? I'm like, yes, I am. And then he's like, are you still married? I went, yes, I'm still married. And he's like, you know, you're still my dream wife, you know. <laughs> I wasn't expecting him to say that. <laughs> And I says, yes, I'm still married, happily married, you know. And we, <laughs> yeah, but we were talking and it was just really nice to catch up with him and it was a pleasant surprise. But as I walked away, I just thought, I would have not expected to see him here doing that. <laughs> and I would have never expected to see him here saying that to me. But you know, often we are surprised by people on our journey. We're often surprised by the people that are in certain places doing certain things. And we're often surprised when we are the person in that story like I was. I did not think it was going to be me who was being called. 
And this morning, as we, we go into the book of Acts, I really want to focus on an unexpected person. Actually, I want to talk about unexpected people, really. And I want us to start looking at the character of Philip. Because in Acts chapter 8, I'm going to start from verse 4. It says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down, in fact, no, let me start from verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralysed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. So the context here is Stephen's death leads to the church being scattered and the gospel beginning to spread. That's the context here. The church is no longer gathered as it was. The church, not by any choice of its own, starts to scatter and is spread. The gospel is being spread, but who is it being spread by? That's the unexpected thing because it's not the apostles who are in Jerusalem. It's not the apostles, the ones who you would think would be spreading the gospel. It's not the ones who you think, well, they're the ones that are appointed to do it. They're the ones that you would expect. But actually... It's all the rest. And it's this man called Philip. Philip. We were introduced to Philip earlier on in the book of Acts. We are introduced to him in, in Acts chapter 6. And he is chosen with, with six others not to be the one who's preaching, <laughs> not to be the one who's praying. No, the apostles realise actually we can't leave this work. We can't leave the ministry of the word. We can't leave prayer. We need to appoint somebody to do the practical things. We need to appoint seven people to do the practical stuff. We need some deacons. We need some people who are going to give people lists from home. We need some people who are going to wait on the tables. We need some people who are going to help do the practical stuff so that we can give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and to prayer. That's where Philip comes in and he's named as one of the seven who's chosen. Yes, he has wisdom. Him. Yes, he has knowledge, he has all of that, but he's appointed for something practical. Great. He puts his hand up for that. Yep. Cool. Count me in. But when the context changes, when the church changes, when persecution actually pushes them out beyond their comfort zone, suddenly they're in a different context and something different is required. Because when the context changes, we have to change. When the context of the church changes, guess what? Maybe God would ask us to do something that we wouldn't naturally or normally put our hand up for. And here we see Philip amongst the others who have been scattered. Suddenly, he starts to preach. Philip. If I was Philip and I was in this context, 
I would be like, okay, right. Let me just find a table. Where's the tables? I will be looking for the tables. I won't be looking for the people because automatically I'll think, well, actually, I've been prayed for, you know, tables, deacon, that's me. So it's natural to want to do the thing that we're used to. It's natural to want to do the thing that we know how to do because ultimately that's where we're comfortable. Ultimately, that's where it's safe. And we like that safe place, don't we? But how many of us know that actually in life, <laughs> things change? How many of us know that in church, things change and the people who are laughing know what I'm talking about? Because they know whether we like it or not, things do change. All of the time, that's the only thing that is constant is change. So here he's in a different place, he's in a different space. He could have easily just frozen himself in time and says, right, my ministry is tables and I'll just wait until that table becomes free to be cleaned and I will do that. He could have easily done that. Philip could have looked around and thought, who me? No, 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 not me. That's not what I do. That's not what my gift is. That's not what I'm called to do. It would have been easy for him to do that, looking around, nudging somebody else. Oh, we need to do something. Could have been easy for him to, oh, we need to um, get a message to the apostles. Oh, there's a lot of people here, you know. There's preaching that needs to happen. There's people that need to hear the message. We need to get them here because they are the ones that do that. But no, that's not what happens here. It tells us in verse four and five, that they went everywhere preaching the word. So suddenly that which is, was in him is activated because the context changes. That which maybe hadn't been anointed or prayed for in front of everybody else, but actually that's not important. What's important was, was what was within him. And suddenly he is ready to preach the gospel. He's ready to give what he has got, not to give what he hasn't got, not to share what he doesn't know, but to share what he does know. And he does know Jesus. He does know how Jesus changed his lives. He does know the gospel story. And that's what he does. That's what he shares. And suddenly things start to happen. I don't think he set himself up for that. I don't think he says, right, I'm going to have a preaching ministry now. I don't think he says, right, I'm going to be a healer. I'm going to be an evangelist. I don't think he set himself up for that at all. I think he just did what he knew to do. And suddenly things happened that he didn't expect. People got healed. People got set free. And there was great joy in that city. I think Philip probably surprised himself. How many of us have ever been surprised by ourselves? Okay, how many of us have ever been surprised by ourselves because we've actually done something positive and really good? <laughs> we could always surprise ourselves by, oh, crumbs, I can't believe I did that. But actually, when we take courage, when we dare to do or say something, especially on God's behalf, not knowing what the outcome will be, not knowing how it's going to turn out, but having courage and having faith, because actually, faith is courage. Do you know that? Having faith and having courage to do what you know how to do. And then suddenly God does a miracle. And that's what happened to Philip. God used him in an amazing way. This was the beginnings of his ministry. Yes, he started with tables, but that's not where he ended up. And he had to be willing to move with the moment. He had to be willing not to be stuck in what he knows, stuck in what he thought, stuck in what he's always done, but be willing to trust and follow the Holy Spirit 
And that really is what people of God do. It's not that we know the end of the road. It's not that we know the outcome. It's not that we know what it's going to turn out like. But we choose to trust Jesus and follow him. And we're amazed when he does special things. And that's what happened here for Philip. It says, verse 6, The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Wow, the multitudes. We're not talking about one person here. We're not talking about two people here. We're talking about from his one step of obedience, there were many people that were converted. There were many people that actually received the message and were healed and set free and there was great joy. That's how you know when God's doing something. There's freedom and there's joy. That's what he comes to bring. And he did it through Philip. Great joy in the city. After that happens, there's another character who's been in this city all the time. And it's Simon the sorcerer. And what's different between Simon the sorcerer and Philip is actually Simon the sorcerer, it says, Verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So here we've got a man who's been in the city for so long, but he's actually was a sorcerer. He was actually involved in some things that were supernatural, but weren't from God. And he suddenly realizes that there's a power greater than the power that I know. There's a power greater than the power that I'm used to and that power is Jesus. He wasn't preaching about Jesus. He was actually claiming to be something great himself and people were astonished. But when Philip preached Jesus, healing came and freedom came. And Philip realised, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know God for myself and it says that he believed and he was baptized we see that the people who believed were baptized that was the next step that they took the step of commitment from believing in their hearts was actually baptism then as the multitudes are saved it says that the apostles came because no one had yet received the Holy Spirit so the apostles came, if we look at verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. So Simon, who was used to the supernatural, Simon, who was astonished and amazed at these things, suddenly he thought, 
oh, if I can just get that. See, accepting Jesus is one thing, but that process of discipleship, that process of growing in him, that process of getting to know him takes time and it takes a journey. And here he is saying, I I want that power. And actually he was challenged. Actually, he was corrected and he had to repent because it's one thing to follow Jesus. It's one thing to say, I believe, but actually working through that, working through our motivations, working through what's right, what's wrong, what does following Jesus look like is something different. He says that he saw that the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of hands. And my question is, what did he see? Because he saw some physical and visible evidence that the Holy Spirit had been received. Many people interpret this as actually they spoke with tongues. But what we do know is there was a visible, something visible happened when they received the Holy Spirit. I remember when I had an encounter and I was was in church. I wasn't a Christian, but I'd prayed and said, God, if this is what you want for me, give me a sign. And I was in the service and we were singing a song from Psalms 42. And it's as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. And when I was singing that song, I thought, this song's talking about me. That's my heart's desire. I want to worship God. I want to know God. And at that moment, I felt like, it was almost like heaven open. That's all I can describe. And I just felt the Holy Spirit touching me. And I started crying. And I just thought, wow, God, you heard my prayer. God, you see me, you hear me, and you were touching me. And I thought, wow, God, you've given me a sign. If you never give me a sign again, I want to follow you. And it's not that I did something really extrovert. It's not that I did something really strange. But I had an awareness that actually God is real. Not only is he real, but he sees me and he's touching me in this moment. And an awareness of that, that's what an encounter with Jesus is. When we are aware that God is close, when we are aware that he touches us, when we are aware that he's giving us something special from himself, that's an encounter. And that's what happened here. And it was something visible. It was something special. It was something significant. So Philip, this unexpected person, is being used by God to bring salvation, to bring the gospel message, to bring healing, to bring freedom. The apostles then come and actually help that ministry because they hear that the word of God has traveled. And you think Philip would be set. You think, right, okay, there's so much work to be done here now. But from that place, from that successful place, from that moment, something really interesting happens. And it's found in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And if it was me, I'd be saying, arise and go. Why? It doesn't make sense. Things are going really well here. There's multitudes being saved. 
People are being healed. People are being set free. You would think that this would be the place to stay. You'd think that this would be the place. There's so much work to do. The building of the kingdom is happening here. You'd think that this would be the place that Philip could stay. He could probably retire here. He really could. But it says that an angel speaks to him. The angel of the Lord speaks to him and says, I want you to go. And I can imagine that that would have been a real challenge for Philip. I could imagine there's, there would have been a number of questions, a number of responses. Why? I don't want to go. Why do I need to go? I can imagine people saying to him, you need to stay. We need to build a church here. We need to build it. There's so much work to be done. And for him to not even know why he's going, that would have been hard. For him to leave and let go of things that are going really, really well, he had to come to a place of surrender. And that's not easy. It's not easy to let go of something when it's going well. It's not easy to leave a place that you're actually starting to love. It's not easy to follow to a place that you don't know. It's not easy to explain to people, actually, I'm going because... I feel led. I feel prompted. But as the people of God, this is how we live. This is how we are to live. This is how we are to follow Jesus. By following what he prompts us to do. By going to that place that can seem unknown. By going to what can seem barren. He's leaving that place which is fruitful to go to that place which is barren. Go to a desert. Lord, I think you put the wrong postcode in the sat-nav. <laughs> Lord, why would you want me to leave that for this? And as the people of God, we don't always get the answers when we want them. That's why we need faith. Because faith is about following God because we trust him. Faith is about hearing his voice and responding and saying, Yes, Lord, I'll trust you. Faith looks like courage. Faith looks like surrender. Faith looks like trust. And he says that, so he went, so, so he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet, then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So from the beginning, God is instigating this move. The angel of the Lord says, arise and go. And here, he's in this desert. He's thinking, what, why? And then suddenly he sees this chariot. He sees and he hears. And it's so important that we follow the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. He says, go alongside him. Sometimes we need that prompting to give us that courage to actually take that step. And as people, we actually have to listen for the prompting. It's so easy to do what seems logical. It's so easy to do what's natural. It's so easy to do what we think is the next step. But when you're in a place where you don't know, then you have to lean in and listen more. And he obeys and he goes. And the Spirit says, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? 
And that, I think, is so important. When we're going to help people, we must start where they are, not start where we are. We must start at the point of where their questions are. We must start at the point of where they are seeking, not at the place where we want to take them to. And he, he asked him this question. And he said, how can, he said, how can I, verse 31, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. So the Spirit is guiding him to this single person. He's guiding him to leave the multitude and go to this one man. And he's reading in Isaiah. He's reading from Isaiah 53. And he starts to ask questions. And the questions that he's asking are really about Jesus. He's asking about the prophet. But this is the beginning of this man's faith. And this is the beginning of where Philip starts to speak to him. Philip starts to preach to him about Jesus. But then... I think, but how from here does he get to Jesus? It would have been a long Bible study. (laughs) It would have been a big Bible study. But what's so interesting that he's reading Isaiah 53. But in Isaiah 56, just close. So if he'd have started the conversation there, if he'd have started the study there, then actually it would have got to Isaiah 56, which has some really interesting things about foreigners, and eunuchs. Isaiah chapter 56, if I just turn there. Isaiah chapter 56. From verse 3. says, Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also, the sons of the foreigner who joins himself to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. So here he's saying, in the prophecies he's saying, there's going to come a time when salvation comes and it's going to come to everybody. Nobody's going to be excluded. Everybody's going to be included. Even the foreigner, he was an Ethiopian eunuch. So automatically, you know, it's talking to him. So Philip could have thought, yes, He's a foreigner and I want him to know that actually he's included. Actually, the promise and the prophecies are for you. Jesus has come. But actually, Philip wouldn't have known necessarily that he was a eunuch. But what's interesting is that the scripture here talks about the foreigner and talks about the eunuch and talks about the ones who are outcasts are actually going to be included in. And I can imagine this eunuch, he's sitting there listening and thinking, oh, I'm longing for that day. I'm longing for the day when I can be included. I'm longing for the day when actually I won't have the names that society puts on me. I won't have the names or the labels that other people are putting on me. I long for that day. When will that day be? And it says that Philip preached Jesus to him. So he would have shared from the scriptures, but he would have got to the point where he actually did share and say, actually, that day is not far away. That day is not in the distance. That day has come through Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. And he promised that through the spirit that is going to come, 
the message of his acceptance and the message of his love is going to come to every single person. And it happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon us and we all spoke with new tongues. And guess what? People heard the gospel in their own languages and they were saved and they accepted. And 3,000 were added to the church and were baptised. So I can imagine he shared that story and the eunuch, having listened to all of this, they get to the point on the journey because this is a long journey. This is a time of conversation. This is a time of sharing. And the eunuch is the one that says, here's water. What stops me from being baptised? And it's a moment when a person gets a revelation that I'm included. I'm not excluded. I am included. And this message is for me. And that is what happened to the unit. He got that revelation that I'm included. I'm not separating. He says, I want to be baptized. What stops me? There's nothing standing in the way. God is not against me. I'm not against myself. I don't have to hide those things. I don't have to think I'm blemished and I'm an outcast. Actually, I want to be accepted. I'm not just accepting my heart, but actually, I want to make that commitment that outward commitment, that's what happened to him. And there wasn't all of these witnesses. There wasn't all of this big crowd. But actually, the unit knew in his heart that he was included, that he was accepted, and that actually, he wanted to continue that commitment and make that step through baptism. And Philip says, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, be baptised. And it's such a special and precious and significant moment that happens because God not only uses unexpected people like Philip, like you and me, but actually God includes people that we wouldn't expect. And it says there was great joy. Philip rejoiced at knowing the promises for me. It's not far away, it's today. The question is, from this text, who are you in this story? Which unexpected person are you? Are you the person who looks around? Are you the person who thinks, who me? Am I the one that God wants to use? Are you the person that thinks, I'm willing. Or are you the person who thinks, I'm not sure if I'm in. I'm not sure if God includes me. I'm not sure if God is wanting or calling me. But then you get the revelation that actually he is. I've been that unexpected person. I'm the unexpected person in my family. I'm not the person that they would have thought would be a Christian. I'm not the person that they thought would be in church, would be in ministry, would be a pastor. Natalie, no, I'm the last one in the family that they would have thought. But I've also been that unexpected person who actually responded to the Lord. And you have to decide, will you be led? Will you take courage? Will you be that unexpected person? And will you respond to him, whether it's respond that he will use you in a way that you don't imagine, or if it's respond that actually he would invite you in. One thing is clear from this text, that the Holy Spirit throughout is guiding. The Holy Spirit throughout is leading. 
The Holy Spirit throughout is using and prompting and calling. How do we respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit? The worship team would just come. just bow our heads very simple message that God uses unexpected people he uses a people who wouldn't naturally put their hands up the people who wouldn't naturally put themselves forward who would look around and see is there somebody else but actually, when they look up, they realize that God's saying, yeah, it's you. I'm calling you. I'm inviting you. I'm wanting to use you. Will you respond? Will you say, things are changing, but I want to be changed too. If you can use anybody, Lord, yeah, I'm willing you can use me. I don't know how, but I'm willing. I'm willing to share what I've got. I'm willing to give what I've got, say what I know, trust you, follow you. I'll be the one that will pray for somebody. I'll be the one that shares the gospel. I'll do it, Lord, if you help me, Holy Spirit, if you lead me. Maybe the one that will say, who me? Holy Spirit? Could it really be that I'm included? It Could it really be that God is saying, I've got a new name for you? That name is son, that name is daughter. Come, come close to me. I invite you into relationship. And if you believe in me, all you have to do is say yes and follow. Maybe the step for you is actually baptism. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's the son of God. I believe that he's accepted me and I want to follow him. I want to do my best to follow him. And maybe for you, the next step is baptism. Will you respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and say yes? Whoever you are, whichever unexpected person you are, the response to the Holy Spirit can only come from you, can only come from your heart. And as we sing this song, let him speak to you. Let him minister to you. Let him just touch your heart and lean in and listen to what he's got to say to you and respond in the way that only you can respond.